0: This is the World Bank's Infrastructure Podcast. In this special episode, we will discuss the impact of the pandemic on electricity access and policies going forward. Don't forget to listen to the summary of the main points at the end of the podcast. There are 17 sustainable development goals established by the United Nations Goal 7 is ensuring affordable, reliable, sustainable and modern energy for all by 2030. Electricity access has been increasing fast. Yet, even with new technologies, almost 800 million people remain without it. With the setbacks of the past year and accounting for population growth, the number of people without electricity could in fact increase by 2030 and the number without reliable electricity to meet the needs of the modern economy, including a vibrant business sector, is even higher. Let's find out how the pandemic affected Goal 7 and what this means for policy. Good morning and welcome. I am Rumin Islam, host of Tell Me How. And today in this special edition, I have as my guest Demetrius Papathanasiou, Global Director for All Things Energy in the World Bank's Infrastructure Practice. Demetrius will be speaking about the SDG 7 goal today. So welcome Demetrius, it's very nice to have you with us.
1: Thank you very much, Romain. It's very nice to talk to you about uh, this important subject.
0: So Demetrius, let me start by asking you in What ways did the pandemic affect electricity access and SDG 7 goals in 2020?
1: Thank you very much, Rubin. I think uh, the first thing that the pandemic did uh, when it comes to electricity itself is to point out how extremely important electricity is for everyone's life in a way that many people haven't quite uh, realized before. Uh, If anything, health, education, economic activity, and how electricity underpins all of that came to the forefront. Uh, At the same time, what also happened is that things and projects slowed down or even stopped in many cases. So what we're getting as reports is that uh, the rate of expansion of electrification around the world has significantly slowed down. While many of the utilities affected by the crisis have lost money and are facing financial strains for which uh, they were certainly not prepared. Now, we recently issued our uh, report regarding the status of electrification in the world, and on the positive side, we noted that over the last decade, uh, another 10% of the world population had access. But the problem that we see is that now that we look at the last remaining 10% of the people who are the poorest, we live in more remote and difficult areas that is when things are even harder but these are many many people and uh, what we estimated that if we continue with the present rates of uh, expanding electrification we will only be at about 92 percent of the world's population by 2030 that will leave us far short of uh, the target for universal access by 2030 and that will mean almost a billion people because population keeps on growing so we have a long way to go
0: Yes, and I think what's very important also is that you said public and private investments have fallen, but also, I guess, uh, what's happened at the same time is that operations and maintenance of existing infrastructure have, you know, that's also declined substantially during the pandemic because governments were strapped for resources, as were private companies. So, Demetrius, let's think where we were in 2019 before the pandemic. Suppose I take you from there to today in 2021 what has changed that affects how we how countries approach the issue of electricity access and policies to deal with it
1: as we were uh, discussing earlier the the probably the, the most important factor is that people reappreciated how important electricity is and that is quite fundamental and i think uh, it will have effect in terms of redirecting The resources of governments and the efforts of governments into making sure that they plan better for the programs of extending electrification access to their population. Now, what is also important is that as people think about the digital agenda and how do we get uh, more and more people to use digital technologies, communications, their phones, for information, for education, uh, they see that this actually can go hand-to-hand with electrification. So this is something that was there before, but what the crisis has given us is a a more acute sense of urgency and a better focus in how we do that. Beyond that, and these are developments that have been uh, coming before the pandemic, but I think now we see them with more clarity, is that technologies, both on the digital side, and on the clean energy side, have continued to advance and present us with uh, significant new opportunities as we're trying to tackle the problem of access. So to give you an example, it is now possible to do a much more accurate evaluation of how exactly do you service people? Should you be extending uh, the electricity network? Or does it make more sense economically and financially to focus on uh, off-grid solutions? And because we can uh, we can apply tools and uh, computational capabilities that will give us these results, together with geospatial planning, uh, we can much easier today make the decisions about where should we make efforts to invest in grid extension and which are the areas that can much better be served and much faster with off-grid solutions.
0: So let me pick up on um, a couple of things that you said. And I wanted to pick up on what you said about the digital agenda, because in fact, during the pandemic, that agenda accelerated. Everything became far more digitized. So what you're actually saying is because that depends so much, the digital sector on electricity, unless we move on ensuring reliable ele- electricity access, countries are going to fall back on adopting one of the you know, greatest uh, technological developments of these last few decades. So it'll be a double whammy. So you said there were many technological developments uh, in the last few years, and, but also during last year, of course, you know, innovation continued to happen. And I'm wondering, uh, with so many possibilities, so much innovation, Uh, especially that supporting the development of renewable energy. Why isn't change happening faster? Is it something to do with regulation, something to do with financing at all? Could you talk a bit about this?
1: That is a good question. And uh, I think part of the reason is that people are still, despite the fact that this has been going on for some time, people are still struggling with understanding what is possible today. And also, that we are struggling with, uh, with making the case that there are new models, uh, new business innovations that can come in uh, and help things in happening. Let, let, me, let me give you a bit of an example uh, to try and, uh, and make the point. I remember a few years back I was uh, traveling in Senegal uh, and we were looking at, at exactly part of, uh, of an electrification project. And I still remember visiting one uh, station that was, uh, it was a diesel generator and we went to, to have a look and see how things were developing. And I noticed as I entered the power station there, which was, you know, fairly rudimentary in a, in a remote rural area in Senegal. I noticed a number of uh, old batteries. And I noticed also a number of cell phones that were simply uh, parked there on the side of the station and being charged. And I could easily tell that uh, this was a small side business that uh, the technicians uh, running the power station uh, were having So I asked him how exactly did it work, what were they charging people, and, and how the whole system uh, was actually functioning. To cut the longer story short, you could see that you know people would walk, in some cases, for a while to come from the village, approach this power station, give uh, batteries uh, to be charged, the telephones, what have you. Uh, in the meantime, waiting for, for all this charging to take place. And from my rough calculations at the moment, I estimated that they were paying the, they were paying the equivalent of about a dollar per kilowatt hour for just for the cost of electricity that this was charged to them. Now this is if you put this in, uh, in perspective, it shows you that in this, let's say billion of people that are still not electrified, it's a huge challenge, but there is also still a huge economic opportunity. You do have people that even today are willing to pay quite a bit, Uh, for basic uh, electricity services and for for relatively small quantities of electricity services. Now, the question is, can this be delivered otherwise? And the answer is yes. Uh, Today, you can easily install uh, a small grid with solar panels, uh, a battery bank, and this can serve a whole village. Now, you cannot charge villagers a dollar per kilowatt hour. Even though in practice, actually, people do it in the example that I mentioned you. You cannot officially do it and say that this is a sanctioned regulated price for electricity for the simple reason that it is going to be four or five times higher price compared to what is paid in an urban city. And this, I think, socially is, uh, is not acceptable and politically is not acceptable. So the question is how do you reconcile the realities of what people actually pay for energy and the issue of uh, equality among uh, different uh, citizens of the same country that will be paying for electricity. And what can happen is that you can be much more intelligent in two things. First of all, how do you finance the huge capital costs that come with mini-grids? And how do you direct subsidies that normally are directed towards fossil fuels into these options? And I think these are the areas, again, not completely new, but because technologies today are much more prevalent and things are much more easily to do, and because costs of technology are coming down, I think that is where we have possibilities to break new ground and see much more happening.
0: So thank you. Just to make sure that I understand this, what you're saying is that in terms of financing, in terms of the cost to consumers and then financing the investment of going to a new renewable source of energy, what you're saying is that you you would be... Replacing the high recurrent costs, which are the fossil fuel costs, you know the the fuel that you buy to provide energy with a much bigger investment upfront investment cost, investment in renewable technology, once you've done that, the cost to consumers would be much lower because essentially you know if you're producing uh, solar energy, the additional cost once you've got the investment in place is very, very low, so that's what's happening it's the difference in you know, who's paying when. And in, in the longer run, it's much better, environmentally better and cheaper to do the investment, if you can, for a lower marginal cost in the medium term. Is that right?
1: So this is, again, underappreciated, I think, from, uh, from many of the decision makers and the policy makers. There's a lot of mistrust on whether these new technologies actually are equivalent to the diesel. And there is the possibility that there are vested interests in the whole ecosystem of uh, fossil fuels, diesel generators, that are quite reluctant to look at the alternatives, because they will be missing some of the opportunities that they have to make money on the side. I think these are some of the issues that uh, need to be better appreciated and have a more intentional approach and policies saying that if we're going to be doing uh, mini grids and service small towns or villages, we have to much more aggressively look at how we do it without fossil fuels. It will cost more in the beginning, which poses a question of how do you raise the additional finance required. But in the longer term, everyone is going to be much better off.
0: Thank you. Yes, there are certainly a lot of complex issues involved. In that. Let me move on to a slightly different issue. Even before countries can actually think about spending more to invest in the future, they are going to have to think about the situation of electricity providers today. Because uh, as a result of the recessions induced by the pandemic, the financial situation of electricity providers you know, has, has taken a hit. And consumers and businesses have not been able to pay for the electricity. And yet governments in many countries have asked utilities to maintain service. Governments themselves can't pay for power they purchase due to their constrained fiscal conditions. So how are we going to approach this problem going forward? Could you talk a bit about that?
1: So that is uh, maybe one of the most difficult issues that we see at the energy sector and the power sector, especially where we work. So what we see is a huge uh, accumulation of arrears uh, from uh, customers to utilities and difficult prospects in seeing how all these uh, losses will be actually covered going into the future. Uh, So, uh, most of the utilities are looking for uh, bailouts from the government. And that is uh, something that we will have to face uh, going forward. Indeed, in several countries, you can see that the utilities are trying to restructure their debts. And this is actually happening in some of the developed economies as well. There is this recognition that it is a different world. It's been a crisis. So, we need to have restructuring of debts. And in some cases, that won't even be enough. So the expectation is that governments will need to bail utilities out and cover some of the losses. So that is the, the, the negative message of the story. I think the positive message is, and uh, what we're trying to promote in our dialogue with the governments is that since there will be uh, support from the central government to utilities, it is a time to see what reforms that have been lagging for a long time and uh, utilities were reluctant to, to take up, what reforms can take place, so that this bailout is not a simple handout, but it is coming together with some positive changes the several utilities need to make. But the important thing is not to leave uh, the opportunity unused and make sure that we can uh, help some utilities to. To take up some of the reforms that they were resisting. And the good news is that in several countries, this is actually uh, happening. And, uh, and I am optimistic that uh, we will we will use that for some uh, positive movement.
0: Yes, you, you make some very important points that, that indeed governments will need to come in and help these utilities, given that this was such a large exogenous shock for the economy, and that uh, this should come along with sectoral reform, with competition and good corporate governance and I presume you want to uh, pave the way for regulatory reform that supports private investment as well. Thank you, Demetrius. I really appreciated the very nice example you gave, which is an example which you know, gives us hope and also very much this illuminating conversation. Thank you very much and um, bye for now.
1: Thank you very much, Rumi. Good talking to you.
0: Well, listeners, what did we learn today? Well, firstly, we heard the pandemic was not a good year for electricity access goals. Investment in the sector fell and many providers are experiencing financial difficulties. Secondly, the accelerating digitalization of economies during the pandemic means that those without reliable and sufficient electricity risk falling further behind even in this agenda, a double hit. Thirdly, it is possible to provide cheaper electricity from renewable sources to many underserved areas but the main constraint is funding the upfront investment needed finally many governments will need to provide financial support to electricity providers just to continue service but this must go hand in hand with sectoral and regulatory reform that supports competition and private investment. Bye for now, till next time. You can find the report tracking SDG7 on the World Bank website. If you've got questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on all popular podcasting platforms. This podcast was recorded in June, 2021. Don't forget to subscribe and thanks for listening. See you in two weeks.